Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. This episode is brought to you by Philo. Do you love TV? Do you love saving money? Then Philo is your solution. Philo has shows, movies, and live TV for just $25 a month. You can even try it for free with their seven-day free trial. No contracts, no commitments, no hassles, just a better way to watch TV. Never miss a minute of shows like the hit docuseries Where is Wendy Williams or classics such as Friends. If you can't get enough TV, then there's no better way to watch. Philo has more than 70 channels like BET, MTV, and AMC. And the best part? You can try it yourself with their seven-day free trial. Sign up today at philo.tv slash poppods. That's P-H-I-L-O dot TV slash P-O-P-P-O-D-S to get 50% off your first month. Hi, I'm Madam Mayhem, and you're listening to Talking Metal. This is Dario Arena from Black Label Society, and you're listening to Talking Metal. Molson Canadian presents... Heavy Montreal, August 7th, 8th and 9th, outdoors at Parc Jean Trapeau, featuring Slipknot, Faith No More, Corn, and Alexis on Fire. Three full days of rock and metal with Lamb of God, Iggy Pop, No FX, Lita Ford, and many more. Festival passes on sale now. For the full festival lineup, visit heavymontreal.com. Produced by Avenco. Hey, it's Mark Striegel. Welcome to another edition of Talking Metal. We are sponsored by Heavy Montreal, the great three-day festival that will be going on in Montreal this summer. I will be there for all three days. A lot of great bands playing Slipknot, Lamb of God, Iggy Pop will be there, Fozzie with my buddy Rich Ward on guitar. So many great bands, Lita Ford, Testament, you name it, the list goes on and on. We have a lot of great guitar players on the show today, and one new up-and-coming rocker chick we're going to talk to. We got Neil Sean, we have Dario from Black Label Society, we have Madam Mayhem, who I'm going to introduce you guys to, and another great, our co-host on today's episode, Metal Mike. How are you, man? Hey, Mark. I'm doing good, man. Very happy to, uh, to rock this one with you. Cool. Yeah, it's great to have you in the co-host seat yeah. here tonight, and uh, I want to talk to you about what you're up to. But let's let's start with with Neil Sean. A lot of people might not consider him like a, a metal guitar player, but 
he kind of is in some ways, right? I mean, he's he played on the Dio Stars song. He's jammed with with Hagar, and and I mean, some of those Journey leads and songs are just incredible. As a, a guitar player, I'm sure you can attest to that, right? Yeah, man. I mean, he's got he's definitely like I don't know if it's the right word, but he infiltrated the the metal world, you know? Yeah, yeah. And um, I remember even in like local bands when when I was like you know super young and stuff. We used to do like Journey songs for fun, and I used to play those lead lead guitar solos because they were like so melodic. Yeah, right. Um, and I think that's the cool thing about a lot of the, the the music from that era. Not to generalize anything, but you know, there was such a killer melody solo. So a lot of heavy metal musicians took uh, definitely a page out of Neil's book, you know. Yeah, and. Um, and you know where 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 do you draw the line? You know it was just great melodic hard rock, you know. And then some of the stuff that Neil did, Neil did with like a hard line and stuff. I mean, you know, for when when those when those records were released, I mean, I listened to it as much as I listened to an Ozzy record. You know, it was all good. Yeah, right on. And Metal Mike, Class Check, you've done so much great work with Halford, Sebastian Bach, Pain Museum. The list goes on and on. Um, I want to talk to you about some of the stuff you're up to nowadays. And one album that just rocked my world last year, one of the my favorite metal records of, of 2014, Mike LaPone's Silent Assassins. And you did a lot of the guitar playing or m- most of the guitar playing. How much of the guitar playing? Did you play in every song? Yeah, I mean, you know what? I um, I think Mike LaPone, actually, he played um, most of the rhythm guitars on that record, he played it himself. Um, oh, I don't wow. know he was that good of a rhythm guitar player, to be honest. Yeah. And then me and and uh, Mike Romeo, of course, from Symphony X, we split. Uh, we split the leads pretty much fifty-fifty, and I added things here and there f- for the rhythms and just different like ear candy stuff. So, well, it sounds great, man. I mean, a lot of great songs on there too. And this one I want to get into right now. I think I'm pronouncing it right because this is kind of how Alan sings it. Ragged Ragnarok, Ragnarok. Yeah, yeah. Is that <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, great, Ragnarok. catchy, yeah. catchy song? So much fun. Let's check this out. This is Alan Tecchio on on vocals. We got Metal Mike on guitar on this, along with uh, Mike Lapon from Symphony X and Michael Romeo also on guitar. Right. That's right. Cool. Let's check it out now on Talking Metal, and we will come back and talk with Metal Mike and uh, coming up real soon my exclusive interview with Neil Sean of Journey
heard was a song off of Mike LaPone's Silent Assassins record featuring Metal Mike Kloschek on guitar and some great leads on this record by you, Metal Mike. And before we get into the Neil Sean record, I want to touch upon something that I think is really cool because my kids are now four and six and I'm starting to get them into music and they're starting to go to music classes. And it's it's kind of cool that, that nowadays you can direct kids towards rock music classes like when I was a kid we didn't really have stuff like this and I know you've been involved with giving clinics and seminars and doing stuff at different schools of rock and stuff here in North Jersey but you got this really cool thing coming up this summer it's the second time you're doing it and it's a, a metal heroes summer camp can you explain what this is all about and who it's for yeah sure um you know this I don't want to, I'm not sure if I, I was going to call it the need for it because I think the, the need for it was kind of always, always there. But, um, I, I, I thought how cool would it be to do a heavy metal camp for kids, you know? Um, and initially I did, uh, first two years with School of Rock, we did a camp called uh, Metal in the Mayhem, uh, Mayhem in the Mountains. And then I decided uh, to kind of branch off and, and do Metal Heroes. And I, and I, I think it's uh, I think it's absolutely incredible opportunity for the kids to get firsthand knowledge from from metal guys, you know. 
Um, and I, and I think, I think this is the, 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 the great thing about the, the internet and, 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 and rockers and rock stars being a little more accessible is that you get to get a lot of info from them directly. I mean, before we would write, write letters to fan clubs and we'll get a, right. Right, right. get a sign yeah. in by 10 if we're lucky. And that was pretty much it. Um, so things are slightly a little different right now. Um, and I decided that it would be a great time to embrace it, man. So we're, do, we're doing this camp, and this is second year. And um, it's a camp for metalheads on all rock instruments um, between ages of 12 and 19. And we'll get together. So that uh, we'll get together in August, August 24th to 28th. And we are at the Full Moon Resort in Big Indian, New York, which is like right up um, by in the Catskill Mountains. It's not very far from New Jersey or New York. No, not very far at all. Um, a lot of bands do their camps. They're like Winery Dogs and Allman Brothers and uh, all these all, all these all these different uh, groups. And yeah, it's killer, man. Second year and the camp is growing, and we're getting more sponsors to it. Um, uh, some companies are sending kids on scholarships, so it's wonderful, man. I'm, I'm really, really excited because not only it's a great opportunity to preserve the metal for the next generation, it's always it's a great opportunity to sort of get one-on-one -on -one with the kids and, 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 and teach them correctly, unfiltered, and do it right. Right on. And, and it's not just you. I mean, you have a, a lot of different instructors involved with it. Is that correct? Yeah, so so I, I handpick um, different instructors on on different instruments, and then we would have a guest come in and do some sort of a presentation. So we talked about Mike Lapont before. So Mike's going to come in and do a base clinic meet and greet with the kids. Wow, um, it's killer. We we have um, old time friend uh, Steve Saragno from Drop Cards. He's gonna he's gonna come in and talk about kid to kids about how to kind of market your own music and you know. wow okay so it's it's beyond just music theory and chops and stuff like that this yeah. is this goes beyond that which is good because you need to know that other stuff yeah i really wanted to give it more of a comprehensive look into a, a life of over of, of a heavy metal musician versus giving them the the, the, the latest licks and uh, as a matter of fact we also we also have a motivational segment by my friend CJ the Metal Motivator. Cool. Yeah, CJ is, is awesome. So we basically put on PA and CJ does a special presentation for the kids uh, to keep them uh, motivated and and um, you know it's it's kind of like all in. It's basically put it this way. Basically, when I was growing up as a metal guitar player. If I could draw a camp on a piece of paper of what I wanted to go, like this is. Yeah. You know? Wow. Cool. And where is the best place people can find out about it online? Is there a website website set up? Yeah, it's very simple. Just just go to metalheroesacademy.com. Okay. And um, all the links are there and um, you know, we're still we're still taking uh the the final sign ups and eventually what's gonna happen very soon is we are going to cast songs and all the kids will learn the songs so we could start rehearsing them at the camp and um i want to kind of teach him about a stage performance aspect too versus teaching everybody every note in the song yeah um, cool long. yeah man so it's gonna it's gonna be awesome wow and 
do you feel confident that the younger generation out there, like kids you're having at this camp, are going to carry the torch and, and keep things going for not just metal, but rock in general? Because we hear a lot of stuff in the press like, oh, rock is dying. And, and there are signs that certain parts of rock might might not be what they once were. Uh, and when, you know, I go to a show, there's some shows I go to, I see a lot of young kids, other shows I go to, it's all, all guys, you know, older guys, you know, so what's your opinion? Do you feel that the youth will pick up this torch and carry it on? Well, I mean, I, I think, I, th- I think a, the, the youth has one type of ener- energy, which, which I think is really cool. And, and that energy is more of a rebellion. You know, and you always want to rebel yeah. against. You look at your parents, which are sort of like getting back into the rut of life, and you want to rebel against all that because you have the youthful energy. And that's what rock music is. It's rock music, although in some ways it's very um, traditional, um, rock, rock, rock and roll is about rebelling against the establishment. So I think that as long as the, those ideals are alive, like rock music will always be alive. You know? Yeah. Cool. Now, you know, the business side of it has been changing fairly drastically for it, um, but that doesn't mean that there's less talent. As a matter of fact, I think more kids get a chance to get heard now than before. Um, so there's just as many talented kids as, as before, you know, yeah. so, um, so in some ways when I captured that through the, uh, metal heroes academy and camps and clinics and workshops, um, that, that, that makes everything go really well because, you know, there's just as many, there are just as many people wanting to be rock stars as there were in 1982. <laughs> really? Okay. Well, that's good to hear. I'm yeah. glad to hear that. Wow. Cool. So, Mike, hang out with me here for the rest of the episode. And speaking of, of rock stars, this guy's a massive rock star. Neil Sean. I mean, some of these Journey songs have become, you know, the soundtrack to, to our, our lives, really, just seeping their way through through radio, TV shows. I mean, even The Sopranos, you know, ended with Don't Stop Believing. And that's this guy, Neil Sean. Right now, we're going to get into some classic Journey, followed by my brief interview with neil sean it was supposed to be 20 minutes and it got cut short i didn't even get to the journey questions at one point i say i'm going to talk to you all about journey but then the people at guitar center where we were doing the interview ended up cutting it short still a good 13 minutes the the mic wasn't on properly so you'll hear it from the beginning but the first minute of audio is a little a little bad guys so just uh, know that it, it kicks in and it sounds great at at 60 seconds into the interview and uh neil was in town celebrating Les Paul's 100th birthday. Uh, I will mention that he talks about two drummers during the interview, Dean and Omar. Since the interview was recorded, it's been announced that Omar is actually taking over for Dean in Journey for the upcoming tour. And again, yeah, just I, I say let's talk. We're going to talk about classic Journey songs, and then it never ends up happening. And that's simply because the interview was cut off. Uh, so I didn't get to talk to him about Journey. I didn't get to talk to him about working with Sammy Hagar. I didn't get to talk to him about being involved with Ronnie James Dio's Hearing Hear and Aid project. Uh, but it's still a good, brief interview. So let's get into it right now with a little classic Journey. She loves to laugh. She loves to sing. She does everything. 
Guys, I'm Mark Striegel, and we are thrilled to have a man who has sold over 80 million records with his band Journey, and probably many million more when you add in everything else you've done. Neil Sean. Neil, thanks so much for hanging out here with us at Guitar Center. It's a thrill to meet you and speak with you. How are you? Thank you. I'm happy to be here. And today is the 100th birthday of the great late Les Paul. What does Les mean to you personally and professionally? Uh, I believe you knew him, right? I, uh, yeah, I had the opportunity of uh, meeting Les here in New York, uh, you know, at the Iridium. I was here in, uh, I believe in 2000, doing a New Journey record, and we were doing it in New York, and so we went down to the Iridium, and uh, he just kind of called me on stage, and I picked up an axe that was a Les Paul that he had sitting on stage, and we started playing, and I guess he liked what he heard from me, and we became friends after that. And um, actually gave me that guitar that night, signed wow. it. And um, Les was a great guy, you know, he just was a, a great human being, and beyond, you know, an amazing guitar player, and, and somebody that was just, uh, created everything before anybody could even think of it. I mean, this many years later, they're coming out with pedals that are, that are doing what he was doing way back then right, yeah. with the octave above guitar, with him slowing down the tape and then playing it slower and then speeding it up. It sounded like a whammy pedal, you know, yeah. stuck in an octave above. And it's just quite amazing, uh, you know, his imagination, where it took him and what he was able and capable of doing, you know, with multi-tracking uh, before Beatles or anybody. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And imagination, I mean, that's just a and key the electric, word, yeah. The electric guitar, you know, I mean, yeah. everybody should think now, anybody that plugs into an amplifier, if it wasn't for less, there would be no amp yeah. and cord, you know. You also have designed your own guitar, the beautiful Paul Reed Smith guitar, which has been out a number of years now, right? I've been working on, uh, I have three models with Paul. Even though his website is not up to date, we're going to kick his ass. <laughs> <laughs> after he hears this right. anyway so this this is uh, an ns14 which is a semi hollow body uh solid you know underneath the middle right under the pickups and the bridge and then the rest of it is hollow i have a, a ns15 which is a 15 inch body uh this is the 14 model that goes under that and now there's a solid body 13 inch single cut with a new neck joint uh, very similar to the one that I designed. It was on my old Les Paul. Interesting. And the, the hollow body version, which we're looking at here, I mean, it's it's really a different, unique thing to put a Floyd on a hollow body, right? Is it, you know, um, I, I try all kinds of different things. I tried a regular stock wraparound bridge, and I found that the Floyd on the bigger body and these sounded better yeah. to myself. It was a little more stout. And I love the fact with the Floyd, whether you're going to use the bar or not, I love that it's locked down. Yeah, uh, sure. For how many live performances I do a year, I don't necessarily like to change guitars or tune up in between songs when I'm on stage. And so uh, it's become just something that, that I, I feel comfortable having on yeah. the guitar. And I love the way it sounds. And, you know, I see a lot of people, um, different companies now that are, you know, when I first brought the idea up to Paul, Paul was like, this is kind of bizarre. He goes, I don't think anybody's going to like this. 
And um, I said, well, just build it for me then. I, I know I'm going to like it. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I've had a lot of people say, that's, you know, it's crazy. But now I'm seeing, like, uh, Gretsch come with a semi hollow body, solid down the middle, and they have a Bigsby on it. They haven't put a Floyd on it yet, but right. give them a few more months. Right on, right on. And is this uh, the guitar you primarily used on the new Vortex album that is coming out June 22nd? Yeah, I, I used um, all Paul Reeds. Uh, some were, a few songs were this guitar, a few were the 15-inch. I didn't have the actual 13-inch uh, that I have now. Um, I had some old ones, and I had some old McCarty's, and I used those, and then I also used uh, some custom strats that were made uh, for me by uh, Fender Luthiers in, in, at Fender Shop, Custom Shop, and those are solid mahogany all the way through the bottom. They're not bolt-on necks. They're, they're my neck joint that I also had on the old Les Paul okay. that they copied, and curly maple top. Nice. And... This record that's coming out is is kind of exciting for me personally because it's reuniting you in the recording studio, at least, with the one and only Steve Smith, who played on so many classic songs with you through the years. How was it reconnecting with him and working with him again? You know, I, um, I actually connected before this record. Uh, a few years back, I did The Calling with my other solo record uh, with Steve Smith, and uh, it was the first time that we actually got together in years and um, played together and created music together. And it was a wonderful experience because, you know, Steve is not only a great drummer, he is, uh, he can envision, you know, we can sit and talk. I can bring in like a loop that I made at home. Basically all these records were made from like a little line six looping machine. Right. And, and a basic rhythm of tempo that I had in my head. And the closest I could get to rhythm, whatever I could find in the rhythm machine in there. And then just a riff, you know? And I would go in the studio with the looper, plug it into the board, and I'd go down, you know, the hundred ideas that were crammed on there and I'd stop at fifty six or whatever idea right. I liked and, and we would uh, you know, work on it for a while and in the calling what I did with Smith was um, we'd, we'd pick a riff, a particular riff, and a rhythm that I liked, and I'd have him loop it for about eight bars, and then I'd tell him to go take a lunch break, <laughs> and, I, and I'd um, like sit there and arrange it uh, and put it together with just basically rhythm guitar. And um, then Steve would come back, and he'd listen to it, and then he would write it out. He'd score it out, and then we'd sit down and we'd talk, and I'd go, okay, this section is going to be like a keyboard solo or, or a heavier guitar solo here. So he's uh, actually transcribing stuff on paper? Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah, he writes oh. everything out. That's and so then and I say, this is going to be like the biggest crescendo. We're going to build here. So while you're playing it, you know, imagine the rest of the band in there. And he would go out and just play it like one, two takes, and it just sounded amazing, you know. And... Um, some of the takes that we did uh, that, that I, where the ideas were a little bit more f well formed, like on this record, uh, we just jammed. Cool. I just jammed and I played a lot of live soloing and without really knowing exactly what was going to go on in some of the other sections and then just, you know, form fit it later in Pro Tools and wrote different sections at different times and then move them together. Nice. And so like I've been in rehearsal with Omar, because Steve was not available to play this show tonight at uh, for Les Paul's 100th anniversary. 
And so I got Omar Hakim, and he put together a band of cats here in New York City that are just amazing. Right. And so it was my first experience of, uh, you know, trying to play any of this stuff from beginning to end. And I was like, oh, my God, there's a lot to remember. <laughs> so I was glad that I had a couple days to rehearse. Excellent. And there's a song on the record called Miles Beyond, which is, I guess, a, a tribute to, to Miles Davis. Uh, and I wanted to ask you, did you ever meet Miles Davis? Because I know you actually played on his wife's record a long, long time ago, right? right Betty I, Davis. I yeah. did, yeah, the Betty Davis record. Um, I did that with Gregorico and Larry Graham from the Sly Stone Band. And that was a wow. pretty funky record. But I did meet Miles uh, with a couple of the Santana guys, Carlos and, and Michael Carabello. And uh, it was one of his last concerts. I saw him at Berkeley Community Theater. Cool. And, uh, they, you know, he sounded like Miles. He's right. Amazing. Great stuff. And you mentioned Carlos uh, Santana. And how did a 15-year-old kid end up in Carlos's band? I mean, he was a pretty major star already at that point. I mean, and you were really just, I mean, 15 years old. How, how did you get that gig? You know, I, I really don't know. It, I was playing in a club with another band in the Bay Area. I lived at, you know, in a little apartment with my folks at the time in San Mateo in the peninsula from San Francisco. And um, I was playing with the band I was in, which was called Old Davis. And uh, the bass player uh, in the band knew Greg Raleigh and Michael Shreve. So he invited them down. And they were hearing about me through the grapevine, come check this kid out. And, uh, you know, I had been playing a lot at Keystone Corner in San Francisco at Michael Bloomfield's old club with Elvin Bishop. Right. I managed to meet Elvin Bishop through a, a great friend of mine, uh, Jackie Villanueva, that you know, was basically my chauffeur when I was <laughs> really that young. He's taking me back and forth to the city to meet all these guys and so I could play. And, um, you know, it, I just, the word got out. Um, Greg and, and Michael Shreve came in one night uh, after we finished, and a club owner let us close down the club, and we played till like about five in the morning, you know, with nobody in there. And then it was, I proceeded to uh, be picked up by Greg every day, you know, yeah. at the high school. I was yeah. sort of not going to <laughs> at that point. I was playing a lot of guitar, and, and he would just uh, pick me up, and I'd go to his father's place in, in uh, San Mateo or San Bruno. Okay. And he had a piano in there, and we'd just sit there and, and jam. And then pretty soon, you know, I was in a studio hanging with the guys, just hanging, uh, while they were doing a Braxis at Wally Hyder's in San Francisco. And they, you know, set me up in a room off to the side with an amp, and I just sat in there and listened to records and, and practice. Wow, cool. Great story. Great story. The, uh, I want to talk to you about some of your classic Journey songs and, and maybe hear some stories behind, behind those. But before we get into that, um, Bad English is a band you sold millions of records with back in the late 80s, early 90s. How do you, how do you look back on that stage in your career and that band? Well, you know, it was the 90s. And um, so there was a lot of hair going on. <laughs> uh, but, you know, all in all, I, when I hear that record, it kind of came out of nowhere. And at, the, at that point, I had just finished my first solo record, not the two previous ones that I did with Jan Hammer. Mm -hmm. There were co-solo, you know, records. And I did my record Late Night. And I had Omar Akeem on it. 
uh, playing drums and Randy Jackson playing bass. And uh, great musicians. Steve Smith played on a few. Um, and I was going to do my own thing at that point because Journey was on a long hiatus and I was getting in too much trouble. <laughs> so I was like, I got to get busy doing something, you know, uh, positive here. And, and um, at that point, I was playing a one-off gig with some different guys and, and rehearsed in this little place. And I went down one day to pick up my, my gear that I left there. And I heard this drummer just bombastically playing through the walls. And so I peeked in, you know, the door, because I go, wow, this guy sounds really amazing. And it was Dean Castronova. Sure. And, Current drummer of Journey. You know, yeah. I met him, and I just said, wow, who are you? Yeah. And he, he told me he was playing with Tony McAlpine at the time. And um, I said, here's my number. I said, I'm going to call you. Uh, give me your number. I said, I'm going to start something. I'd love for you to play drums. So Tony probably still hates me, but yeah. Dean had a good time. We had a good time. And uh, Dean called me, uh, long story short, uh, I got a call. Uh, we were about to form the rest of the band. Uh, and I got a call from Jonathan Canning. He was down in Los Angeles with John Waite and Ricky Phillips, you know, uh, formerly of the Babies. And uh, Jonathan said, you know, we're putting together this band. Would you like to come down and check it out? And I said, well, I just met this drummer. Dean, and if I can bring him, I'll come. Otherwise, I'm going to hang with Dean. Because right. I thought that he was that strong, you know, of a player. And I'm, I'm a drum freak. I, I yeah. have to have good drums, you know. And so um, we went down, and we jammed for a day, and it just kind of clicked. So we said, okay, we're in. You know, I always loved John Waite's voice. And, you know, Jonathan's always been a great songwriter. Uh, same with Waite and, and everybody else. And so... Um, we shortly went into the studio right after that. We wrote for a little bit. Um, we went into the studio down in Los Angeles. I moved down there because the band was based out of there. And we went in with Richie Zito and, and pretty much knocked the record out in a couple of weeks. Yeah. And, um, you know, that was it. Cool. Cool. Well, Neil, um, it's great to hear some of the non-Journey stories from you. I really, really enjoy that. But when it comes to Journey, you've given us so many songs through the years that have just become the soundtrack of our lives. And uh, just want to thank you for that. And thank you to you and your beautiful wife, Michaela, for coming into town for the Les Paul 100th birthday. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Neil Sean. Thanks so much, Neil. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I could have went on for another. Uh, <laughs> I got the we'll do it another for time. another two hours. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Wrap this up. I don't. Probably about that. Yeah. yeah. Cool. So, folks, so I think we need everybody now to slide out this door.
What you just heard was brand new solo Neil Sean, El Matador off the Vortex record. Pick that up on iTunes. Go support Neil. Buy that track on iTunes. A monster guitar player and just a really great guy. He and his wife were, were a lot of fun to hang out with at the uh, Guitar Center in-store that he did. That's where we did the interview and also later at the Les Paul 100th birthday bash a lot of great people at this show uh mike we had steve vi was there playing joe satriani joe bonamassa and and uh the classic rocker steve miller was it was a good time i wish you could have seen it all the greats huh yeah some really great (laughs) great players i mean just imagine joe bonamassa steve vi um and Joe Satriani and Steve Miller, and then the Saturday Night Live band, the old one with G.E. Smith, all on stage jamming together. It was just a real interesting mix of people, and it worked. It worked in a in a in a cool way. So it was a lot of fun. Uh, Emily and I got to go there and walk the red carpet and all that jazz. So a lot of fun. Um, hey, Mike, I want to turn you on. I don't know if you know this chick. Meta, uh, her name is Madam Mayhem. You ever hear of her? Well, um, I think I've heard that name once before, for sure, but I'm okay. not too filled in. She's got a record coming out, she, and Billy Sheehan is kind of producing and playing on the record with her, and it's good, you know, and I got uh, some samples of the music here that I want to sample for the Talking Metal listeners, and then I want to get into an interview with Mayhem herself here on Talking Metal. So right now, this is a sound sample of the song Monster by Madam Mayhem followed by my interview with Madam Mayhem. Hey, this is Mark Striegel of Talking Metal, and on the line we have Madam Mayhem. Mayhem, how are you? How are you? How's it going? It's going well. It's going well. I'm excited to talk to you because recently Billy Sheehan told me about this record he was doing with you, and it just sounds incredible. I want to hear all about it, but let's first start off just talking about you and your background when did you get into music and when did you start playing with a band well i've been in music my entire life i would say um i started at a very very young age uh singing dancing acting all that fun stuff growing up and the entire time i just knew i wanted to be in a rock and roll band growing up so uh 
Yeah, I've been doing it for a very long time. <laughs> and were there certain artists or bands that you heard as a kid that kind of drew you to music? Oh, there's so many. Um, it's actually funny because I think it really started when my mother started playing uh, grunge music in the car when I was a baby instead of, you know, the Raffi and Sesame Street that parents were playing their children. So um, right. at a very, very early age, I just got into that scene as a very young child. And then, you know, just listening from there to heavier and heavier stuff. And it's been from everyone from Ozzy to, you know, just anything I could have gotten my hands on at the time was what I would listen to. And it was all very influential. Cool. So your parents obviously like loud rock music and were they encouraging when you kind of decided to make a career of this? Well, they have been, well, to be honest, they've been really supportive. I'll say, I'll start right there. And I'm so appreciative for that. But, um, Starting out, I started in the musical theater world, so I would be dragging them to take me on auditions because I was too young to go by myself. And they always knew that I wanted to be a musician and and get on the road and tour and and play rock music. And I think they just kind of gave in at some point and was like, okay, just do it. Be happy. Do your thing. Um, you know, they couldn't put up a fight anymore. Cool. And... You have this record coming out, which which Billy Sheehan and a lot of other people are involved with, which we're going to talk about. But at what point, how, how do you get to this point? You, you know, you're in the studio with Billy Sheehan. You know, you're a kid who likes music, uh, you know, musical theater, but you're also into the rock stuff. What, what was the transition? Did you start playing in bands in New York City? Well, um, I was always writing music, uh, always writing songs. Um, and I was actually down in Miami, uh, studying, studying music and, um, was decided this university that, of Miami. Yes, it is. It's the U <laughs> and I studied music there and, um, I just started writing and decided that I wanted to graduate early and just get on the road and play. So I came back up North, um, and just started writing work and, and through workshops and other things, I was able to meet a lot of great people that were already in the business. And there was definitely a lot of trial and error, but, uh, through that, uh, somehow I managed to have some pretty amazing mentors along the way and finally was able to find my sound in the genre that I wanted to do it in. And what would you describe that genre as hard rock metal? It's definitely hard rock and it kind of borders. I wouldn't call it completely metal because um, there's definitely a, a, a hard rock aspect to it that's so strong. Um, but it's definitely teeters so that because I, I love both. I, lo I love the whole thing as a whole and to incorporate both aspects um, is something that I really wanted to try and do. And I think we were able to do it with this record actually cool and we'll start talking about the record in just one minute but you mentioned some some really great mentors i think you said uh who who, who, who like who was really great who was well, helping you out billy sheehan of course um him and his amazing wife have been like big brother and big sister to me uh for years now even before we did this record um 
they're, they're just incredible. And even people uh, who I did my first record with, Mark Hudson has been a great mentor, um, Rudy Sarzo. I mean, the list goes on and on. And, and it's, it's just been great because these are people that have done so much and are still so humbled and willing to, you know, take these up and coming artists and give them as much advice as they can. And, and that's really hard to see nowadays and for them to be so great with me. And I, I just, I'm just so appreciative for that. Cool. Yeah. Mark Hudson for the listeners. If, if you don't know, he is just, I mean, he's done work with everybody from George Harrison to, you know, Aerosmith. He was once on the Joan Rivers show as her, her musical director. I think he wrote Living on the Edge with, yep. with Steven Tyler and Joe Perry, or maybe it was just Steven Tyler. I'm not sure. But yeah, great guy. I actually just saw him last week in, oh, nice. in uh, New York at the Les Paul 100th celebration. So great guy. So anyways, the record is coming out at some point soon. Let's talk about the record. What can we expect? Who's on the record with you? Well, in terms of who's on the record, um, I was very lucky to have some great talent on this. And um, I really have to thank Billy for that because we wrote together. And I also wrote with another amazing artist, Corey Lowry, who also plays bass. It's very bass driven. Um, and with the songs that Corey and I wrote and Billy and I wrote, we were able to put together an amazing project that Billy has produced and he made some phone calls to some friends and said, hey, check out this stuff. Let me know if you're into it and uh, maybe if you're interested in playing on it. And I got some great people that were really into it. So I'm, I'm really fortunate for that. It's uh, Ray Lugier is on drums. Awesome. Yeah, you got uh, Bumblefoot uh, playing some great solos. Russ Parrish also playing some great guitar parts. And then Corey Lowry, of course, and Billy Sheehan himself. So, uh, I'm just so happy about that. I mean, that's, that's an all-star band. I, I would just love to tour with. (laughs) Yeah. Well, speaking of, I mean, those are just some incredible players that you just named there. How, how are you going to handle this when it comes to doing live shows? Oh, well, we actually have a live show coming up next week. And uh, basically, you just got to find the musicians that can pull it off. You know, there's no there's no BS with this. Uh, it's it's good music. You know, you have to be able to play it. So you just got to find the guys that can play it. And that's that's the highest standard you could have. So luckily, we're finding that. Cool. Cool. And I know the New York show is is next week, which unfortunately I'm going to miss because I'm out of town. But will there be shows outside of New York City? Are you planning anything like a tour or any other dates? Yes, yes. We're actually uh, currently in the works of figuring out a tour to coincide with the release, uh, which we will hopefully have the final date of when that will be shortly. So stay tuned for that. It'll be really soon. Um, and we're in the process of putting it all together and I would love to go out starting as early as the next few months in the fall and just get it out there. Cause I'm, I'm itching, I'm itching to play, um, working in the studio has been an amazing experience this past year, but I haven't played as much live as I would have loved to. And that's my home for me is, is the stage and on the road. So I can't wait to get back out there. Cool. And back back to Billy and, and his wife. How did again? How did you come in contact with him? Um, I was already working on my first record with Mark, actually, and um, he and Mark were doing um, 
uh, rock camp in LA. So I went to go uh, check it out and 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 be a part of it. And Billy and I ended up being paired up and we got to play a little bit. He was musical directing the people in, in our room, I guess. And he was just so great to work with. And I guess he liked how I conducted myself and how I was singing and was like, listen, let's talk more. And just through that, um, I was lucky enough that they were there for me whenever I needed them, even in the first record, just for advice, dinners, conversation. And then we just started writing together when we were hanging out and decided to make an album out of it at the end. Awesome stuff. I mean, Billy is just such an uh, amazing talent going all the way back to to the, the 70s with his band Talis. And uh, he was recently on Eddie Trunk's show and that metal show, and he revealed that... He was numerous times, two, maybe even three uh, times in history, was asked to join Van Halen, um, which is pretty amazing. Uh, What do you think about that? Do you know why he didn't actually join up with them? Um, No, I mean, we haven't spoken about it. Um, I was in the room when he said it, and I was like, wow, I, I didn't know it either. You know, I think he's just... Besides an amazing musician, he's just a great person. And I think he just genuinely, whatever the reason was, just it, it didn't happen. Right. But but yeah. I mean, it's cool enough to be asked, you know, that's just a great story to have. for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, the one thing I thought was cool that he said is he was just such a fan of, of Van Halen, yeah. Michael, Alex, Eddie and Dave that that, you know, it sounds like there was some hesitation there just because of that you know he just mm-hmm. loved those those four guys together all right well thank you so much for joining us and we're going to check out some madam mayhem music right now on talking metal this is a little music off the forthcoming coming soon album by madam mayhem does the album have a name yet yes it does it's going to be called now you know now you know excellent so this is some music off of now you know and before we get into it where is the best place that the talking metal listeners can get in touch with you online well you can visit madammayhem.com that's madam with an e at the end uh i also do all my own social media so facebook.com backslash madam mayhem or mayhem official on twitter um youtube wherever if you send out a message it's me who's going to be reading it so i can't wait to hear from everyone excellent and now we're going to get into a little new music by madam mayhem and we'll have all those links up in today's show notes guys on talkingmetal.com
What you just heard was my interview with Madam Mayhem, and that song right there coming out of the interview is called Something Better. It's off the uh, the new record that she has coming out, the new album, which I believe is called Now You Know. So stay tuned for that. Hopefully we'll get our hands on that soon. And we're going to end today's show with an interview with Dario from Black Label Society. Do you know anything about this guy, Mike? He's like a, a new guy to the Black Label fold. Yeah, he's the new guy. Um, I well, I I do know Dario, um, not personally, but I know I know of him. I know that um, he uh, he play he he's from LA, and I and I think he he played with Lizzie Borden for a long time. Correct, correct. Um, and then he did a solo record, which I haven't heard, but I'm sure it's on Shrapnel. So I don't think there's ever been a bad guitar player who's yeah. <laughs> released yep. the label. Um, needless to say, I'm sure that the do shreds and, uh, yeah, it's cool. You know what? I, um, when I, when I played at the, uh, motorboat, uh, l- last September, Mario was already jamming with Zach. So I saw him there. Right, was he? Okay, cool. Yeah. Cool. So yeah, it's cool. I'm very happy for him. I'm sure it's cool. Yeah, absolutely. So right now let's get into that interview and we will come back and talk some more with Metal Mike. Hey, this is Mark Striegel of Talking Metal, and we have Dario Larina on the line from Black Label Society. How are you, Dario? Hey, Mark. I'm doing good. How are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. There's a lot to talk to you about, but I first want to get into this CD you have out, your your solo CD. I was sent some of the tracks. It, it sounds great. It's coming out, or it's out, right, on Shrapnel. Yeah, it's out. It's been out, uh, it's been out I guess, a couple years now, 2013. Excellent. Well, this is, I hate to say but say it, but this is the first time I became aware of it was, was recently. And, uh, just yeah, yeah, all good. As long as you're, uh, you're wherever now, it's cool. Yeah, well, I am, and, and some great stuff. We're going we're gonna to hear a track off it in, in just a, a few minutes here. But um, let, let's talk about Shrapnel Records and just the incredible history that that, that label has. Um, were you a fan of a lot of those guitar players when you were learning to play? Oh, Definitely. That's, you know, like, I mean, you know, as I, as I progressed as, as a guitar player, you know, playing like lead guitar and getting into, you know, guys like, you know, you know, Ingve and Lynch, you know, a lot of these guys that I was into was, was a part of Shrapnel at, uh, you know, at some point in their career. So it was always something that I had wanted to do was put an instrumental album out with Shrapnel. Um, and, you know, I had known Mike Barney for, uh, for many years before we, we worked together. Um, you know, I first met him when I was really young, like 15, 16, I was playing with Jamie Lane and, uh, you know, so him and I connected and, you know, we just kept in touch. And then the time came when we were able to do this together. Um, but yeah, I mean, I was definitely a fan of like, you know, I went through, you know, all my, all my years of coming up as a guitar player, you know, I, I kind of went through phases of guys I was really into at that, at that certain time, but definitely into Ingve. I loved Richie Carson. Um, you know, Lynch is one of my main guys. So, Sure, loved all those guys. Cool. Now you mentioned Janie Lane, and you did some touring with him. And did you record with him too? Uh, no, no, we never recorded, uh, but we did tour for two years. Cool. And you were just like a teenager when you were doing that tour, right? Yeah, I was. I was sixteen um, when I saw this ad on back in the MySpace days that Janie was looking for a guitar player, and I was like, you know. I didn't think of myself as anything else. I just knew I was going to play music and be a guitar player. So I sent, like, I don't know, 
a ton of the same emails to this email address, so it'd be, I'd be sure it was in the top of their inbox. And I got a call back, and you know, ended up going out to LA and hooking up with him. And we we just jammed in the rehearsal studio, and he played drums, and and uh, we just jammed with some Warren songs, and yeah, everything worked out worked cool. out good. And yeah, we started touring a few months after that. Cool. Cool. Yeah, we definitely miss Janie, but um, you moved oh, on. Yeah, you moved on from there to Lizzie Borden, correct? Yep. Yep. Another kind of classic metal legend, if if you will. Um, were you aware, being that you're so much younger? I mean, to me, like when I was a kid, when I was a teenager, I'm an old guy, 45 years old. But when I was a teenager, is when I was into Lizzie Borden. So, how much uh, awareness did you have of Lizzie Borden? For joining forces with him, um, I mean a little bit, but not you know it wasn't extensive. Um, and then uh, you know when I got the, a call about hey you know I, I got a call from Ryan Anderson who plays bass with Lizzie, and it was like we're looking for a guitar player, and we you know we had a mutual friend, and that's how we got my my info. And you know I, I heard of Lizzie Borden, and you know like Me Against the World, just you know videos online, and uh, but I didn't know the you know the extent of this. Right. Their catalog. So when I got into it, some of the stuff is really killer. You know, a lot of it is really awesome, and especially like I really was uh, a fan of their newest stuff. Like Appointment with Death was really heavy, and I was I was really into that. So I was excited to uh, you know get that opportunity to play with them. And Lizzie, you know, as a performer, and his whole this whole vibe is is just a cool. It's very different. You know, the show is very different. A lot of the music and. You know, he does a lot of this choreography stuff and uh, theatrics, so it was a lot of fun. And you're now, of course, playing in Black Label Society with, with Zach Wilde. How did you score that gig? It seems like uh, just a, a, a dream gig. I mean, he's one of the, the guitar gods who's still out there doing it and, and such a enormous following. Every time I, I either interview Zach or, or do something with him, I'm just blown away by the the views we get on YouTube, the downloads we get on the podcast. How did you, how did you end up hooking up with Zach? Um, I was uh, I was in, I knew Blasco, who manages Black Label, um, for just a couple of years, and uh, I had contacted him a couple of weeks before, like the opportunity for to be in Black Label even came up or you know was known about, and I, I was in contact with him about this CD that you have, which you're going to play a couple songs, right? Um, so. Yeah, it was just like, you know, the timing The timing was perfect. I hit him up about maybe trying to do some stuff with CD, and then, uh, you know, it was just, the, the timing just fell right into place. A couple of weeks later, this came up, he hit me up. I hit him up, he got back to me, and just kind of went from there, pretty much. Cool. And was it like, was he auditioning a lot of different guys, or did, did you kind of just... Um, I, I don't really know the extent. You know, I'm sure there was a handful of guys that, you know, that maybe that they had in mind. I don't really know, but... Um, I was, you know, just lucky enough. Cool. And, you know, Black Label is one thing I do know about their fans. Are, they're, they're definitely a, a hardcore bunch of, of guys who just live and breathe the Black Label stuff. Were you nervous going into the, the band that, like, hey, are they going to accept me? Uh, or, or did you kind of just feel that they would, being that, you know, you had Zach's blessing? Um. You know, I mean, it didn't really, I didn't really give that too much thought um, because at that time there was so much on my mind. But, you know, right off the bat, it was very, uh, it was a very warm welcome, you know, within the first, you know, the first 
few minutes and hours that it was announced online, everybody seemed to be really welcoming. So I was comfortable, comfortable right from the beginning. Awesome. And let's talk about gear. What kind of gear do you play let's, with guitars? Uh, well, I, play, I play lag guitars, and I've played them for many years. I, I, I mean, when I first started touring with Janie, which is when I first started touring at all, um, I was playing, uh, you know, my Gibson Les Paul, and then I, I discovered lag when I was at a uh, music convention called Music Major over in Frankfurt, Germany, and I played them. I've been playing lag ever since. Um, just absolutely beautiful guitars, and the team of people that is involved with lag and uh, and Algam, which is the distribution company, is uh, you know they're very wonderful people to work with, and uh, the guitars just speak for themselves. And are you uh, running different tunings on different guitars? Yeah, we have. Well, with Black Label, it's basically like, uh, well, it's we have four different tunings, but we're mainly tuned to full step down, and then from there we either go, you know, drop D or drop B, and then we have standard tuning. Ah, so okay. When, when I'm switching, it's basically for tuning. So there's some Black Label songs that are actually in standard tuning? Yeah, like uh, when we do the piano songs, we play in standard. Oh, that's interesting. Yep. And what about um, locking trims? Are you doing Floyd Roses and stuff like that, or what kind of? I have Floyd's on most of mine. I just like the feel of Floyd's, and uh, it's always, you know, it's always something that I was playing. Um, so yeah, a lot of them are on mine. Zach plays. I think uh, he plays a few times throughout the show, like on a solo. Um, he plays. Is V with the with the Floyd on there. Right on. And as far as amplifiers go, are you uh, a Marshall guy? Yeah, definitely. Um, with Zach, we play 800. So I have an 800 here at my at my house in my studio. Um, you know, I, I love 5150s because I was a big Van Halen guy. Yeah. Um, so that's that's what I have. I have 5150s and Marshalls here, so you can't go wrong. Cool. And I'm always curious about string gauge. What what gauge string do you use? Because sometimes on these lower tunings, it seems like you need a little thicker gauge, especially for the bass strings. Yeah, definitely. Um, well, I play 10s, um, 10 through 46, and then um, like the drop B, um, Stevie, I think he puts like, at the tech, I think he puts like maybe 60 on there for the drop B, and then... Uh, other than that, I'm 10 through 46. Even for the full step down, like drop D, I still have 46 on that. Cool. Now That's on the low string. Right. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, now, when it comes to guitar players who influenced you, obviously, you know, I'm sure you know Randy Rhodes, Paul Gilbert, George Lynch, and Van Halen, people like that. But outside of the hard rock and heavy metal spectrum what guitar mm-hmm. players do you really respect are there blues guys you really love are there you know classical guys you really love country players outside of heavy metal and hard rock what guitar players are your favorites um outside of heavy metal i mean as far as blues guys johnny winter was uh i listened to a lot of johnny um but i mean you know it's all pretty much in that in that area of rock blues metal you know right i mean um, I, I haven't really, I never really got outside into the classical stuff yet. And still, until I, you know, hang with Zach, you know, he's, he's taught me a lot about like Al Di Miola. And, uh, and, uh, you know, it's like, it's funny because 
you know, I'll, I'll think of like John Petrucci, who I loved, um, or Paul Gilbert. And when I would watch their instructional videos, they would, they would mention like, you know, they would mention Al Miola, but I, I didn't go back to listen to Miola until, you know, me and Zach be hanging, you know, he'd be playing, you know, there'd be Al Miola playing. I'm like, wow, that's cool. So right you know, now I've been getting into, getting into some of that stuff. Some more like jazz fusion-y type stuff? Yeah, definitely. Cool. And do you, like, do you play jazz at all? Have you studied it at all? Uh, not really. You know, I, 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 you know, I jam around with it here and there. Um, I, I've been really getting into, like, lately, like, Guthrie Govan, which is amazing. Um, so trying to teach myself some of that. Cool. And where are you from originally? I'm from Boston originally. I live in Vegas. Oh, okay, cool, Vegas. It yep. seems it seems like there's quite a big music scene happening in Vegas now. Is that true? Yeah, like over the past couple of years, it just seems like it's uh, it's expanded from what it was. I mean, it had a really cool, like tight knit little local scene. Um, I mean, I moved here when I was I was twelve, so you know, coming up in those years, it was definitely a, it had its own little thing. But now a lot of guys from LA have moved here, and it's just it's taken on this whole. Uh, it's taking on this whole momentum, which is really cool. Cool. Now, the last Black Label record was Catacombs of the Black Vatican. Were you involved with that record at all? Uh, I came in. I came in after it was already done. Cool. What are some of your yep. favorite Black Label songs to play live? Um, I love playing Funeral Bell. It's heavy. That's a drop B song, and uh, that's definitely one of my favorites. Um, I like playing. Uh, I like playing Overlord. Uh, beginning at last is a lot of fun to play. We've been opening with that. My Dying Time, which is off the Catacombs, that's killer. Uh, Damn the Flood, that's off Catacombs too. That's a lot of fun. Awesome. Cool. Well, Dario, it's been great getting to know you on Talking Metal. Is there anything else you want to plug while we have you here? Uh, just check me out online. My website's DarioLarita.com. Cool. We will link that, guys, through today's show notes. And right now we're going to get into a track called demon rum any uh, any story behind this um well like the the, the theme riff the main riff of the song is uh i, I lay it a bunch of octaves high octaves low octaves use the pedal to try and get it to sound as like demonic as possible um but yeah it's, it's, a, it's a fine burner it's a lot of fun cool excellent this is demon run here on talking metal
what you just heard was Demon Rum off of Dario's shrapnel release, self-titled release. Check that out. We'll have it linked in today's show notes. Mike, it's been great talking with you on the podcast today. And, I, I, you know, I was a big fan of that album you put out, uh, I think, was it two years ago at this point, The Metal Worker? Yeah, about two years. Yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. Any plans uh, to do new new music? I know you got so much going on with the guitar uh, world column that you put out, which is a great column that all the readers should should read, and, and especially the guitar players. And you know you're busy with the camp, and you did this great record last year with with Mike from Symphony X. But any any plans for another Metal Mike record? You know, I I um I might do it. Um, I did I did the Metal Worker. Um, it was it was half vocal and half instrumental and i wanted to do the instrumental stuff in order so i could i could use the material for clinics and workshops you know right yep um so building up the metal heroes academy kind of takes a lot of my time um creatively and you know in, in, and you know um not to jump around your question but you know i i did like i did those randy road remembered shows recently yeah so this Which I saw you. That's uh, that's actually what spawned you coming on the show today. We uh, we didn't get a chance to to, uh, to talk that much that day, so so actually, yeah, that probably for the better that we get to hang, man. So I I'll, I more than likely will probably do another record, and um, and then strangely enough, it's been to to this year's the tenth year anniversary of the Pain Museum Metal for Life record. Oh wow! And. Um, now, I don't know if it's nostalgic or people finally caught, caught around to it, um, but I've been getting unusual amount of emails about people asking about a pay museum record. So, Really? Yeah, it's strange. Like a reissue or, or a I'll new one? Let's do a new record. And, oh, nice. And I'm not sure. I, I don't know what I'm going to You're thinking do. about it, though. Yeah, you know, when that record came out, it was... Um, there, I say, slightly ahead of its time because if you think about 2005, styles weren't really mixed that that much uh, for U- for U.S. audience. It was right. You were you would either demo warrior or man of war. You know, yeah, you, right, right. In between, so people kind of caught up to that sound, which happened to happen ten years later. So, who knows, man? We'll see. Cool, cool. That's exciting. I hope uh, I hope that materializes. And uh, again. Tell us where the best place to learn about the the camp is. So the so the camp uh, again takes place on August twenty fourth to twenty eighth at Full Moon Resort, and the best way to get a hold of all the information and potentially even sign up is at metalheroesacademy.com. Cool, Mike. Thanks so much for doing this. Uh, thanks, Mark. I can't wait till I. You know, my kids turn twelve. I'm going to send them to the camp. Yeah, <laughs> they... I'm going to have to. I think. I think. Uh, you know, it's funny because uh, haven't you done some music metal rock history class I, somewhere? Yeah. Well, I did. Yeah, at the School of Rock in Montclair. Actually, I, I did uh, a, a Metallica class there, um, which was a lot of fun. A lot of fun, just kind of t- talking about the history of Metallica and weaving that story for the the students who were too young to experience it in person like i did so yeah yeah we're gonna have to uh we're gonna have to employ you (laughs) oh yeah (laughs) i I, I get you get you out to the camp maybe next year to do some sort of a metal 
middle history class or something. Oh, that would be a lot of fun. I'm serious. I would love to do that if you wanna if you wanna talk yeah. about that. Yeah, that would be a lot of fun. Mike, thanks so much, and uh, we appreciate you checking in with us here and co-hosting this episode. And we will uh, we'll talk to you soon. Sweet, Mark. Thank you very much. You guys, you guys rock, and uh, just just an honor to be uh, uh, talking to you guys and your audience. Thank you. You bet. This is M is for Metal off the Metal Worker record by Metal Mike Klaschek here on Talking Metal. Go support Metal Mike by downloading this track on iTunes. around you can find cars like these on auto trader like that car riding your tail or if you're tailgating right now all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on auto trader too are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time well multitasking pro cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on auto trader new cars used cars electric cars maybe even flying cars okay no flying cars but as soon as they get invented they'll be on auto trader just you wait auto trader